He'll make it for sure. Now that's why I backed him on Tab Touch. Hey, Luke. Yes, Gene Simmons. He's probably the best when it comes to this stuff. Thanks, Gene. You've got the touch. You got the touch. You got the power. Got the touch? Choose Tap Touch. Better your bet. Download the app today. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Hello and welcome to Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle for another week and boy do we have a lot to get through. I've got a new co-host for this week as well, a man that I think everyone will be excited to hear from. We've got a very angry Aaron Baines to talk about, a pretty fascinating incident with him and the Cairns Taipans to get through, the Tasmania Jack Jumpers were impressive over the weekend, the Adelaide 36ers kept losing, we've got the New Zealand Breakers and the Cairns Taipans heading off to the US and plenty more to get through. We're here thanks to Hoops Heaven and Tab Touch. But as I mentioned off the top, I'm Chris Pike, but very excited to talk to this man and fascinated to pick his brain about a lot of things, fresh off being the head coach of the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix for the last four years, but a lifetime in basketball. Simon Mitchell, thanks for joining me. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, eh, Chris? Before we get stuck into what's going on in the NBL world, um, what's the last six months been like for you stepping out of the, the NBL bubble? I've uh, been pretty busy. <laughs> got uh, got kids who are involved in the sport, so a lot of running around uh, to their games. So that's been um, yeah, it's been the, the the heavy heavy part of that. But also just doing some work. I, I spent a little bit of time in Japan doing some uh, some clinics over there, and uh, I've come back and I've been doing some consultancy work um, in all sports. So yeah, been been keeping myself busy, but obviously uh, keeping a very close tabs, firstly on Collingwood and the AFL, um, yes, yes. which be about, and uh, and of course the NBL. No, absolutely. Um, I'll touch on your journey a little bit later, but really, our our only interaction has been through post match press conferences up until up until now, and that's always a little bit a little bit awkward to to talk through through a screen to each other. I'm fascinated to pick your brain as a as a coach in those press conferences. I mean, I my I guess my role in the NBL was to make sure that there was enough questions asked, and I tried to just give you questions that would get you talking, but. There's some other people in press conferences that have different agendas and are digging for a story and trying to catch you catch you out a little bit and trying to find a little bit of sensationalism as well and you get some ill-informed questions as well. Um, I'm fascinated from a coach's point of view. What's it like sitting through these post-match press conferences? Um, I guess it can vary depending on the result. Yeah. Um, there's also an element of catharsis to it all as well. You know, you get to sort of download the game with uh, with with people and and whatnot. But I think you've got to approach it from, and, and this can be the difficult part and the balancing act for a coach. And uh, I, I always try to be aware of of our role in the sport, mm. especially in Australia. And, and I don't know if I'm fortunate enough to have been around the NBL pretty much since its inception. It's an indicator to my age, but it's. <laughs> It's also an element of just making sure that um, I've always wanted this sport to really grow yep. um, and be, and be, you know, the number one sport in Australia. Um, and we all play a little role in that, in, in to give information to help educate and, and give people insight into the game. I think you've got to take on that responsibility as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, whilst it can be difficult at times. Um, because it's it's emotional and you're getting hit up straight after a game, and if you've had a rough loss, you've still got to keep that at the forefront. I think you know we've got to serve the game first. Yeah, 
that's a it's a great way to look at it. And I'm not sure if all coaches have that that way of looking at it. And, and in that heat of the moment, when the when the I guess the emotion is still running so high, it can be tough. But I yeah, I, I was always interested to see what a coach was thinking from from the other side of of the screen. Now, before we get to the big talking points. Simon, um, this show is made possible thanks to Hoop Seven and has been since inception. Um, on your trips over to Perth, have you ever ever popped into the store? Uh, not yet. Um, <laughs> next time I plan to, though. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Usually, when the trip to Perth, yeah, you're carrying a little jet lag and you've got a pretty busy schedule, so I haven't quite made it yet. But uh, next time, I may be as a spectator. So yeah, why not? I tell you what, you did have a former player, Adam Gibson, that never never missed a, an opportunity to pop in. Yeah, you must be in freebies because Gibbo will never <laughs> take note of a freebie. <laughs> no, that, that, that sums him up sums him up nicely. Um, all right, Simon, let's get down to business because there's a lot to talk about in the world of the NBL right now and we have to start with what happened in Brisbane on on Saturday night. Um, first of all, have you ever seen a more angry man than Aaron Baines on a basketball court? Oh, I've seen several angry men on a basketball floor. Um, Anyone yeah, more look, angry than that? Yeah, at least that. Well, yeah, look, people are throwing punches um, <laughs> and not just sort of banged it and yes, giving yes, angry eyes. Yes. So, yeah, it was disappointing. Um, it was disappointing from a game perspective because I thought we had a, had ourselves a pretty good game. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, we don't know what's happened um, in the in the runway, although some people are trying to give it a bit of trial by media with uh, yes. with their input uh, <laughs> through social media. But um, until all comes to the surface, I, I think, you know, Whatever took place in the tunnel has taken place, but yeah. what happened on the court was within the control of Aaron Baines, and, and he lost control. So I'm a little disappointed for him and for Brisbane. They're trying to, I think, and Justin Schiller's done a wonderful job, but they're trying to change their image from you know a team that can get a little bit discombobulated and, and, and lose their cool. And um, you know, yes, you want to play with emotion. Obviously, he felt like it was an element of justice missing from that that confrontation, but. Um, Look, Aaron Baines plays physical. He walks the line of what's legal and what's not within the game. Um, you know, he sets those big physical screens. Is he leaning in on some of those? Mm. Is the elbow out? You know, he pushes the line. And even on that play, you know, he's got two blokes by the scruff of the shirt, um, which easily could have been whistled uh, whistled in in Cairns' favour. Um, he took a little elbow on the in the chin. I feel like. From my perspective, and look, I might be a little bit out of date with this, just given my demographic, but um, I still kind of ride from the old school. I, I don't mind a bloke like Aaron taking part in the game and dishing it out and, and, and playing the physical role that he does. But I feel like you've got to wear, absorb a, a hit here and there as well. So, um, yeah, he didn't wear it well. He didn't absorb the, the hit. And, um, yeah, it's cost his team. Yeah, I think you make a couple of great points. I think, first of all, when he was battling with Menenga and Mayen underneath, I think he he easily gave away a foul to Menenga. That could have been called, but that was let go. Lat Mayen then sort of retaliated with the elbow, and I guess only Lat knows if it was deliberate or or accidental. And then, I mean, Bainsy just lost his cool. I think based on the referee's reaction when he said that it wasn't worth a call, and I think that's what set set Baines off. And then, no one could hold him back. I mean, it, it looked like he was ready to explode. I mean. Justin did his best as as his coach to try to calm him down. We saw Nordo sort of get pushed out of the out of the way. Sobes tried to get him in a bear hug. No one could sort of stop him. Um, from a coach's point of view, what do you do when your players in that situation? I mean, what would have you done? Well, I'm not sure there's a whole lot more that Justin could have done. No, he, no. He, he subbed him in. He's brought him to the bench. Maybe get one of his assistants, pr- preferably a big one. <laughs> he's got he's oh, yeah, got yeah, 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 a yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. 
Maybe maybe the advantage act to just march him out there. Oh, you can get straight to the uh, car park from within about fifty metres of that bench, yeah. and, and maybe just get him some cool air and 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 just talk through what's important to the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was commented at the time that it looks like he's trying to get a second second technical foul. All his actions indicated that, and uh, you know, it was even to the point where I think the refs were waiting for that substitution to happen so if they were to give the second mm-hmm. tech, it wouldn't be tossed in from the game; it would be actually given a bench tech. So, look, that's what happens sometimes when the referees operate in that grey area. Now, I think Bainsey gets a pretty good whistle at the best yeah. of times. Yeah. Um, you know, again, he he, he he plays on that borderline um, that. Uh, you know, you want to see the physicality. You want to see him in the game. Um, and he probably gets a 51% to 49. And I might be yeah. being lenient there. To, yeah. You know, he gets that benefit of the doubt sometimes. And uh, even on that play, you know, he's grabbing two blokes by the jersey. It's allowed to let go. Mayan, Mayan again, you know, like for me, he just looked like he was trying to get leverage because he was yeah. grabbed by the, you know, just, just under the collar. Um, and he was trying to get his arm over the top so he could, you know, maybe sit on his knees a little bit and try and get some body control because he was just completely outmanned in the in the one on well the two on one and uh, had lost control of his body. So, look, yeah, it's disappointing. I think it's disappointing for Brisbane. They're trying to uh, reestablish their their culture, and I think they've done a great job until now. And, and we don't judge Brisbane by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. These are some of the two problems that are going to happen whilst they uh, reestablish themselves. It, it escalated at halftime. Obviously, I mean the the first part is teams working teams walking off through the same the same corridor back to the change rooms. Is that something we need to look at? Should teams be going off in different directions at halftime to avoid these sort of things? I think we're probably, you got to control the controllables in this one. And, and look, the, the locker rooms are next to each other through that breezeway. You know, we can't restructure the building. No, yeah. um, this is what we're dealt with. These, you know, it's not a world-class venue. Um, mm. It's a great venue. Don't get me wrong. It's great to play and it's very loud. Um, from what I can gather, uh, there doesn't seem to be a bad seat in the house, mm. but it's not constructed um, ideally. So, but that's the, that's the venue they play out of. Um, you know, been all the thing of the past, and, and this is what we deal with now. We're going to have to put some lengths in to maybe escort Brisbane through first, mm. and then the second team, well, perhaps. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think you know players have just got to be more disciplined in those situations. Um, and uh, yeah, again, we don't know what happened at half time um, during that period, so I'm, I'm not going to comment on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all, all we know is that words at least are exchanged between Adam Ford and and Aaron Baines. What happened beyond that, we don't know. But what we do know is what. Um, Stu Lash has come out and said from from the Brisbane Bullets, he's their senior basketball advisor. I want to I want to get your thoughts on his his comments, Simon, because they're they're actually quite incredible when I read these back. So what he said: Adam Ford's behaviour during halftime of our game was unprofessional and unbecoming of a head coach in the NBL. For him to stand and wait outside our locker room with the direct intent to engage in confrontation with Aaron deserves multiple NBL game suspensions, in my opinion. There is a pattern of behaviour with Coach Ford that needs to be dealt with accordingly. If this was a player engaging in confrontation with a coach, that player would have consequences and the same should hold true for a coach. I, I, I find those amazing comments. What are, what, are, what are your reactions? Yeah, look, I wouldn't be surprised if a fine came his way mm. and I wouldn't be disappointed if a fine went mm. his way. I don't know Stu Lash, um, but yeah, that to me is 
there's an investigation going on by the NBL. Yes. And um, I think you've just got to know your, know your position in this. You, you're part of an organisation that's involved in that investigation. It's best to shut your mouth and uh, let it take place. Now, again, um, you know, there's emotions involved and all those sorts of things, but you've got to be bigger than the, than the event at times. And um, I think it's extraordinarily disappointing of Stu. Mm. Um, it doesn't reflect well upon his club. And yeah, okay, he wants to go into bat for his player, but he's not only just throwing allegations; he's also throwing a uh, the case and also the, uh, the 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 penalty involved. And um, yeah. Um, I'm not sure he's uh, qualified for that, and I'm not sure he's seen the evidence or uh, heard any of the, the other side of the story. So, yeah, disappointing for Stu, and from the Brisbane Bullets, he's a representative of that club. Um, I think he should maybe take a good seat and have a good heart to think about uh, how he should handle these in the future. Absolutely. I also don't know what he's referring to with, with 40. I mean, he's the reigning coach of the year in the NBL. I think he's universally respected. I haven't heard any of these type of... He's, he refers to a pattern of behaviour. I... I haven't seen anything like that from 40. Yeah, well, I don't know, Stu Lash. Um, I don't know if he's been, in the, been involved in the uh, league for very long. He obviously knows, or he uh, claims to know things about 40 that mm. I don't. You know, Forty's a ripper. Uh, he's done a wonderful job up there in Cairns. He's got those guys playing at a pretty high level. And, um, yeah, I think those that spear that he uh, he put in place was uh, unwarranted and unprofessional. Yeah, I agree. Last thing on this, because we don't want to get bogged down on it too much. Do you expect penalties to come either to, I mean, we, we don't know what happened, but do you expect penalties this week for Aaron Baines, for Lat Mayen and or Adam Ford? Uh, no. Nah. No, not this week. Um, obviously, Forty would be uh, overseas at the moment, so whether or not they want to have um, some sort of judiciary via the uh, via the internet, I'm not sure. Mm. But um, yeah, no, I don't think so. From what I saw with Bainsey, I think he's had his. Um, and again, we don't know what happened in the Breezeway, so yes, it depends yes. on what's taken place there. And, and, and you know, but from what I've seen on the court, I thought, um, you know, Bainsey's got his. Got his tech foul and an ejection, and that's his that's his right whack. Um, move on. Yeah, I, I agree. And let's do the same thing, Simon. Let's move on to something more positive. I want to throw a question at you. Right now, two weeks into the season, is Milton Doyle the best player in the league, and are the Tasmania Jack Jumpers the best team? Uh, it's a very good question, and the correct answer is no. <laughs> He's not the best player. Yep. Not while Bryce Cotton's up right no, and hooping. Sure. Um, yep. and, and whilst we have, may not have seen the best of Bryce in the first two weeks, he, he's been pretty darn good. Yes. Um, it, it, my question about Milton Borg, because I guess it's come up since the weekend. He had an amazing weekend, mm. and uh, we'll talk about him awards a little later on, I guess, in the yeah. episode. But uh, yeah, I don't think we saw anything this weekend that we haven't seen pretty much every weekend since he landed on our shores. Yeah, I agree. Um, tremendously consistent player, wonderful in the clutch, wonderful in pick and rolls, great decision maker, um, unselfish to a fault, great on both sides of the ball. Um, I've been saying it, I would have said it all last year as well, he's in the top handful of players. But I think the top spot is reserved for... Bryce Cotton um, because of what he's been able to do over a prolonged period of time. But uh, he can certainly throw his name in with, with you know, the, the Mitch Creeks and the Jalen Adams and the DJ Hoags, um, and I'm sure we'll add a few more names to the, the upper echelon of players in the league um, between now and the end of the season, but he's, he's, he's right up there. You know, he, he's, uh, he's a wonderful player, and it's been mentioned, and he's very similar 
very, very similar to, to, to Leroy Loggins. Um, yeah. Obviously, right-handed, not left-handed. Leroy yeah. is one of the all-time great league, um, but he's just so competent and highly skilled in every facet of the game. The only thing I can think of that Leroy maybe had more opportunity to do, and I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the West Adelaide Bearcats, mm-hmm. Leroy Loggins, before he was at Brisbane, where he may have played down the block a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah was kind of playing in the block as well as a, a big guard, but I remember Leroy as a young fella going to the playoffs out of Kilsby Stadium um, and watching West Adelaide play. And um, you know, my recollection is that Leroy did everything. He was on the perimeter, he was in the post, he was playing the five spot, he was playing with a ball in his hand, he did everything. Um, uh, I think if everything's going well for Tassie, we'll never have to see Milton Doyle in the block. <laughs> no, no. Especially if Marcus Lee can stay on the court and if they get Will Magne back as well. Um, having coached against the Jack Jumpers the last two seasons, they're just a hard team to beat. They just never go away, they stay in a game, they make themselves tough to play against and, and they give themselves a chance down the stretch. I mean, their two wins this weekend against Sydney and Melbourne were Terrific. Coaching against Scott Roth and his team, what makes them so tough? Uh, I think it's their consistency with the smaller things in, in, in basketball. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know what our record is against Teddy, but I think we'd be on the, the plus ledger. Yeah. Um, I think we've won against them more than we lost, um, but it would be pretty close. Yeah. I, I, if I threw it out there and said, have a guess, I'd probably say we're, we're, we're four and two mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. I think the, the 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 things that they do wonderfully well. They're always, you know, they they pride themselves on getting to loose balls. They pride themselves on uh, boxing out. They pride themselves on making the effort to do the little things well. And even as you're running across half court, your opponent who's in front of you is going to stop, prop, put two hands in your chest, and you know physically stop you from running. Now, again, that's probably right on the borderline of the rules with the way they do it, but they're so consistent with the way that they play that I think after a while, you know, even the obvious ones, the referees will turn their eye to that to those sort of tactics. And, yeah. uh, you know, the New Zealanders like to call them hellos as you cross half yes. court. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, they're so tremendously consistent with all these little physical actions and they take so much pride in that that it always keeps them in games. Now, look, there's, there's probably a little bit of mythology being built around them because of their remarkable start to their, their existence. Mm. You know, like, they never miss a defensive assignment. Well, yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they never have bad Well, yeah, they do. Yeah. They just don't have as many some teams. Um, especially the teams that aren't winning. Um, but I think it's those little things that they really take pride on and they're just incredibly consistent and uh, they don't defeat themselves too often. No, absolutely not. Um, now, you, I've just had a quick look, Simon. You mentioned you were 4-2 and two against them over the last two years and you, you were acting like you were going off the top of your head with that. That's spot on. You, you've won four of the six against them. Okay, yeah, well, I just kind of quickly ran through. I remember getting pants down there in Tassie last year. Um, we had a few blokes coming back after a break, and yep. then we had to come back and double up against Sydney, and we, we won the, well, I don't know, double overtime game. Yeah, that's it. right. Yeah. Um, in so, yeah, I remember that one. I remember the losses pretty easily. <laughs> so the only two losses that came to my head was that, and yep. then the year before we, we played them uh, down the stretch of the season, and uh, – we were both in line for for a run at the play. Well, we actually, yeah, we helped yeah. them out because That's we lost right. that game and then we went over and beat Perth yes. um, uh, right. you know, a week later. So, so yeah, no, the losses are, are pretty clear in my mind. I can only remember <laughs> two of them. Um, last little topic before I we take a deep breath. Um, 
when we did our season preview, Cody Ellis on the show was talking about how he just hopes we don't get too many injuries this season and every, every team gets a good run at it. We're not having much luck with that. We've already had to now say the New Zealand Breakers have to swap their import. Justin, Justinian Jessup has gone down with a hip injury. Um, but, gee, they, they've moved quickly. Anthony Lamb looks like he's going to be their replacement. And no disrespect to Justinian, but this is a guy who only, what, four months ago was playing playing in the playoffs for the, the or six months ago for the Golden State Warriors. It might be an upgrade. Yeah, look, I think we've seen players with tremendous talent and pedigree come into our league and not necessarily um, uh, read from the same sermon as these yeah, sure. teammates. So let, let's wait and see on that one. You know, Justinian is an incredible complimentary player. You know, he's a guy who's going to spread the floor. You have to respect him. Um, he, I mean, he's always, a, he's always a threat from the perimeter. But even if he's not hitting, you've got to guard him close and that opens up space for others on the floor. He's... Uh, he's a very easy teammate to, to operate with. Mm. Um, he's been there all in the preseason, and yes. uh, you know I think there's 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 a lot to Justinian Jessup than just um, than just numbers. Um, Anthony Lambie comes in obviously tremendously credentialed, um, extraordinarily gifted player. Mm. Um, obviously, there's been uh, some incidents in his past that have uh, made the media before, but um, yes. yeah, we don't know what's happened there. And so uh, again. Um, He's, he's certainly a talented player, and uh, New Zealand have rolled the dice here, and uh, you know they would have done their research and, and their background checks into that. But certainly a tip of the hat to the breakers and how quickly they've been able to move on this one. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right, Simon, that's been a big first segment. Let's take a deep breath. When we come back, I'll go through the rest of what happened in round two, and we can chat a bit more about that and get on with the, with the rest of the show. Sounds good to me. He'll make it for sure. That's why I backed him on Tap Touch. You got the touch. You got the power. Got the touch? Choose Tap Touch. Better your bet. Download the app today. Imagine what you could be buying instead. Okay, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Let me run through the results of, of round two, Simon. Um, started back on, on Thursday. The Brisbane Bullets went down to Auckland and got the win 89-84. to 84. And then we saw the Cairns Taipans beat your old team, the South East Melbourne Phoenix, 87-80. to 80. Then on Friday, Tasmania Jack Jumpers beat the Sydney Kings, 80-72. to 72. And then the Perth Wildcats over the Adelaide 36ers, 82-75. to 75. On Saturday, high-scoring game. Illawarra Hawks, 113 over the Phoenix, 106. And then the game where all the drama was, the Taipans beat the Bullets, 89-86. to 86. And then two on Sunday, the Jack Jumpers beat Melbourne United, 80-75 to 75 with a 20-3 run in the last six minutes, Simon. And then finally, the Sydney Kings, on the day they unveiled their championship banner, 109-80 to 80 over the 36ers. Um, Who would you like to start? Anything jump out from those games that you might like to discuss that we haven't touched on already? Oh, I'll well, start from the start. I guess the Breakers Brisbane was a you know we're looking for the new Brisbane Bullets, right? Um, and and part of that is to get on the road and, and get a scalp. And um, you know, obviously, there's not too many scalps bigger than the New Zealand Breakers right now. And uh, you know, tremendous effort for them to go down there. Now we've got to ask the question. You know, New Zealand flying out for their NBA games the next morning. Are they are they focused? Yeah. Um, you know, was, was their was their mind on the job? I I've got no doubt that they were, and they were just outplayed. Um, the one thing about that game that uh, I and again, look, it's it's going to be something. It's a work in progress. You bring a player in and as gifted as Will McDowell White is, and I love him as a basketball. Yeah. I put him right in amongst the best players in the league. Um, he comes in and now everybody's 
got to sort of adjust to that yes. and, and just uh, park a Jackson Cartwright down the stretch. If that was if this game is round one, I have no doubt where that ball's going to be down the stretch of the game. Um, and it would have been in, in, in Parker's hands. Yes. And uh, in this one, it went to Will because that's where it rightfully lived. But I thought... A couple of times down the stretch, that ball, yes, it starts with Will, but it went to the wrong side. I thought yeah. it needed to some, it some point land in Parker Jackson Cartwright's hands. And uh, and uh, he was on the wrong side of the uh, the structure at the time and didn't get his hand, his bits on the ball. And uh, I thought that was pretty key. And, and, and also, you know, like the bank glasses, we saw some banked, mm. some bank shots over the weekend. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, that, 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 that bank um, shot there um, was, was huge down the stretch. Yeah, it was. Um I'm fascinated to get your thoughts on the Phoenix. What's it like watching this team that you built from the start? You've been their only coach for the first four years. What's it like watching them play now this season? Uh, well, we'll start with the Cairns game and what yep. it was like. I actually well, don't want to – I almost felt like a PTSD <laughs> moment when um, when Tyler Cook went yeah. down. Yeah. Uh, and it's not the first time I've had it during the, the pre-season. Uh, Mike Kelly's a very close friend of mine, and yep. um, I haven't opened a mic since mm-hmm. the start of the season. I sent a message during the um, pre-season cup um, when they got their first win to say, well done, mate, yep. rap for you, da-da-da. Uh, but I've, I've tried to keep him a distance because you know, it's his club and I want him to feel like it's his his team, and I don't want to be down there interfering mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. But I've kept my distance. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I when. Tyler Cook got hurt. I just had that feeling, good grace, not again. Yeah, like, yeah. just, like, I lived it last year. I mean, lived it for four years yeah. to, to an extent, but I really felt for Mike in the preseason not having access to his squad, and as the season proper started, he's he struggled to get a, uh, get anything that resembles the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix on the floor. So, yeah, look, that, that's probably my main feeling in regards to it, um, feeling for Mike and the players. Um, I just want them to get a good run at it. And uh, and obviously do better than what we were able to do the last four seasons. Yeah, I want to touch on that. I I asked Creaky this after that game, and I he, he either didn't like the question or he might have misunderstood it a little bit. But Creaky can, can be a little bit like that. But I I feel like your last, especially your last two years. I mean, you they've been ruined in a lot of ways by injury because you just haven't been able to get a good run at having your best team out on the court. And now this year started started the same. Obviously, it happened with, with Source going down in the preseason. Gary Brown had an interrupted pre, preseason. Um, Craig Moller's been in and out to start start the year. And Gorjak Gak, we haven't seen yet. And now Tyler Cook's got hurt already. I mean... Throw Matt Kenyon's name in there as well. well. Yeah. Yeah, he, did, he didn't have a preseason either, yeah. Um, I mean, at, at some point, do you just hope that your, your luck turns? Yeah, that's all you can do. Um, you know, some of these issues are completely out of anyone's control. Um, well, most of these issues are out of your control. And, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you are in charge of a group of men and uh, you, you can't concern yourself with who's not there. You've got to keep your priorities and your focus on who is there. And, and to be fair, when we go to the Illawarra game, they had enough on that roster to, to play better um, and to compete and to win that game. Um, so I reckon they'd be tremendously disappointed with that. The and, and also, you know, pretty much, you know who you're going into the game with. They would have known that Tyler Cook wasn't going to take his place pretty early, I'd imagine. So you can plan for that. Now, it's very, very difficult during the course of a game when you've got your rotations out there and, and a Tyler Cook goes down. Yep. And now you're like, well, hang on. We hadn't planned for this. 
or you can't plan for something like that. And now you've got to you've got to fly by the seat of your pants a little bit. But with the Illawarra game, they had a chance to prep and be ready, and uh, I think they'd be disappointed with that result. I think so too. But at the same time, they were just so small. I mean, they had Reese Vague in the in the five spot, and Sam Froling and Lockie Olbrick had pretty good games. I mean, at, at some point, does the physical size, you know, have an impact? It certainly, uh, on the second leg of a road trip, yeah, um, it's certainly going to wear you down. But I think it's more about the way they went about it during the course of the game than just the size. You know? yeah. It's not like they were beaten relentlessly down in the block. You know, Albrecht down there had some good moments in regards to passing out of the block. I yeah. thought he made, some, geez, he made some unbelievable passes out um, out of the block, hitting blows. So maybe they'd overextended their defense to help out on him. I, you know, as a kid, I'd say, you know, you've got to beat us a couple of times before we, we, we double or overplay on you um, to give up those those shots that he was finding for his teammates. But, yeah, I think the transition defense they'd be disappointed with. Some of the, the, the straight-line drives uh, you know, they would have been disappointed with. And even some of the possessions at the offensive end. I mean, I know they scored a lot, but there was a lot of no-pass, one-pass possessions. Um, you know, you, you want to make Illawarra defend. You know, they were the worst defensive team in the league last year. And sometimes when you're just getting an up-and-down track uh, race, whilst you might be scoring, you're not you're not making them defend. Yeah. So you're not tiring them out. Uh, and you're playing on the terms that they want to play on. So, yeah, I think there were some things that they could have done better there. And uh, I think that they'd be disappointed with that result. Friday night in Perth, you, you mentioned Bryce Cotton before. And I, I almost think that when we have discussions on who the best player in the league is, we just take it for Bryce is number one and everyone else is fighting for second. I mean, the two passes that Bryce made at the end to find Alex Sarr for those two threes, I mean, not every superstar is willing to pass the ball. I'll ask you about another guy in, with my next question that might not be a willing passer. But but, but, but Bryce is a willing passer for a superstar. Yes, you might. But, but Bryce is a willing passer, isn't he? Bryce is a superstar. He's a winner. He's the best clutch player we have in the league. Um, he makes the right choices, and he's just so dangerous in the last minutes of, of, of a game. Um, you know, nothing he does surprises me. Everything he does, I kind of expect. Um, obviously, we're on the end of uh, you know surprise cotton exploits last year in the playoffs, yeah. and um, you know he just finds new ways to beat you. And you know those passes were exceptional. They hit Sar in rhythm. Uh, he caught the ball and shot them. You know in rhythm and with confidence. And I think when you've got a, a player of the magnitude of Bryce Cotton who's prepared to give you the ball in those situations and it was the right decision, um, that can do nothing but fill a young fella full of confidence as yeah. well. So yeah. I don't think Alex uh, lacks any confidence. <laughs> no, he seems no. to be very uh, proactive when he gets into the game. He uh, certainly backs himself in. But when you get that sort of deference, uh, well, I wouldn't call it the first, but playmaking and trust yeah. from an established legend of the game in this country, that's certainly going to help Alex Sarr's progression through the ranks. No, for sure. Um, where I'm going next, I wonder if you do, if you did know where I was heading next, because it's. I want to get your thoughts on Nathan Sobey. I mean, we know he's a superstar, but and we, he had a great fourth quarter to give Brisbane a chance. He had 16 points in the fourth quarter on Saturday night against Cairns, but there were some plays where he just, he doesn't, he's not willing to give the ball up. And I, feel, I thought this team was built to change that. And I thought Shannon Scott was building to be the playmaker and to create shots for Sobes. So Sobes doesn't feel like he has to do everything. Um, what's your take on it? I think you summed it up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a, a great spotlight on, um, you know, the differences between 
two very good players, or one great player and a very good player. Um, yep. The great player in Brian Cotton and a very, very good player in Nathan Sophie. You know, the, the decision-making, yes, the attention's going to go to both those guys. And when you see people in better position and you trust them to make good basketball decisions, you've got to release the ball. Mm. And um, the accolades will come your way. I mean, Michael Jordan released the ball to Paxson and Kerr, right? Yes. Um, yes. And those famous game-winning shots. Uh, it, it's about finding that balance. Um, firstly, you've got to tip your hat to Nathan Sobey. Like, he dead set kept them in that game. It would have been nice to see him, you know, tip our hat even further and say, not only did he keep him in there with a with an offensive explosion, but also his uh, decision making and uh, timing out down the stretch was of high uh, relevance to a result. That that would be nice, and, and that's a progression in his game. It is. I mean, we, it needs to be money. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. Just reading between the lines about what happened at the breakers after last year's game five loss, I feel like. Barry Brown just gave the ball a headache in those last five minutes when they couldn't score, and that's a big reason why they didn't want to bring him back because he didn't give the ball up. Sometimes your superstars know when they have to give the ball up, and Shannon Scott's on this team to be that playmaker, isn't he? Yeah, but I think at the same time, you've got to have the ball. Like If you're playing strictly off the ball down the stretch, then you may find yourself being denied access yep, to the ball. Yep, no, sure. And, you know, maybe look at Melbourne United and who do you want the ball in the hands of down the stretch? Chris Golding. But if you've got an elite defender, can you take the ball out of his hands now? Cairns have some elite defenders. Um, you know, a guy like Bull Cole, he's hard to operate against. So you need to get the ball in the hands of your superstar. Now, where, where a, a player like um, Scott really comes into effect is the previous three and a half quarters where he's relieved him of ball handling duties, yep. where he's relieved him of the number one defensive backup. So he keeps him fresh legs and fresh of mind to make the right decisions. But at the end of the game, I think you've got to have the ball in the, in the, in the hands of your star. Um, we saw that with, with, with Tasmania Jack Jumpers on the weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, and we saw it with Perth and we saw it with Brisbane as well. Um, yeah. And, you know, we just got to, uh, you know, Nathan's just got to grow through that. But, I mean, again, you know, you don't want to take the, the, the spotlight off the performance he had over the weekend because um, he had a great game also against New Zealand. Um, and he had a wonderful game against Cairns. And without him, they're nowhere near it in either of those games. Um, but that next step for him into the stratosphere of superstar is consistently making the right decision of the stretch of, down the stretch of games. I'm nervous about where to go with this discussion, but I want to bring up the Adelaide 36ers. Um, we talked about it with Cody last week, and he didn't see a lot of hope for them. He, and he didn't see much hope for them in those two games that they had last weekend against Perth and Sydney. In the end, they were they were competitive in both, but they lost both, and they're now 0-4. and four. What, What's your take on this Adelaide team? Do you see hope for them? What sort of import do they need? You know, where do they go from here? Um, well, this is where you got to look at it with a glass half full or glass half empty, isn't it? Really, yeah, um, yeah. You know, they were both competitive in, the, in these games, and they were competitive against Melbourne the week before. Yep, they were poor against Brisbane outside of the first five yeah, minutes they were. in yep. round one, and obviously their their preseason's been uh, ritualistically sacrificed by everybody in uh, in media. So, <laughs> yeah. there's certainly been an upside in their performance but there's a ways to go. And I almost think that right now they're, they're the antithesis of everything we love about Tasmania. Sure. 
Um, you talk about first to loose balls, you know, boxing out consistently. I mean, they gave up. I, I didn't prepare as well as I could have for this one, but I'm going to say they gave up 25 points on the O boards from memory mm. against Sydney, and, and I think it might have been even 12 for Jordan Hunter on his own. Yeah. Um, we saw that against Melbourne the week before. Melbourne offensively right now are not a good ball club in the sense that they're a work in progress. Yeah. They're not a finished product. Yeah. They're a very, very good ball club. But they're not a fluent offensive team just at this point in time. And, and the only way they could defeat Adelaide on that day was second chance opportunities where the ball's kicking out, you've got a closing out play, and the shooter's getting time to get it off. Mm. But as far as hardcore execution, they've struggled, and Adelaide contributed to their struggles. Yeah. But they let them off the hook with those O-boards and those kickouts, and that's how Melbourne got going. They had 28 points against them to get a win. Saw Sydney get 25-odd points against them to get the win. Yeah. Both teams, you would say, at this point of the season, whilst extraordinarily talented, are not in the half court where they're going to be come the end of the season. You know, they're a work in progress. So those are the ones where if you do the little things exceptionally well, you might come away with those ones with a win. But right now, they're not doing the little things well at all. Mm. Um what about an import? I mean, I spoke about it last week with Cody and I feel like they could use an import point guard because I think ideally you don't want Mitch and, and Sunday Detch doing a lot of the ball carrying if you can, can help it. But they also need a they need a wing who can be, an, be a great athlete and get out and run, but they also need a big man to help in the front court. So ideally they could use any of those three. If you're making that decision, what type of import do you, do you need? Oh, we need two players. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, an import point guard who can play the sport in the fourth spot. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. I, for me, if I'm going to... Well, let's talk about the, the, the players that we just talked about who close out games. Yep. We're um, talking about Milton Doyle, um, Nathan Sobey, and Bryce Cotton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and pretty much every team in the league, who you put the, hand, you know, the ball in the hands of down a stretch of games, it's going to be your, your primary guard. Right now... You know, the, Trey Cal had a wonderful weekend, but I'm not thinking of him as a primary guard yeah. um, down the stretch of the game just at this point. So, for me, my fear for Adelaide, and this is by no means at all a derogatory comment towards Jason Kadee, mm-hmm. but I put down some notes what I fear for Adelaide. My fear was that he became a starter. Yeah. Because if he's your starter, um, you're missing what, Jason truly brings to your ball club. Yep. And that's that you know, kick off the bench, um, savvy veteran play. Um, if it's on, it's on. If it's not, then you park it back to the bench and those sort of the things that Jason Kadee does exceptionally well. Yep. Um, my thoughts were if he's starting for you, um, then you're probably going to struggle in the sense that you're playing people outside the role that you have envisioned for them. Mm-hmm. So for me, I would love to see Jason back to the role he does exceptionally well. Um, Mitch, uh, I'm not sure. You know, we saw signs against Sydney in regards to um, becoming a little bit more aggressive at the offensive end early in the offense. He was yep. very reluctant to shoot some of those shots that he, yeah. that he shot on, on the weekend um, last year. Yes, he was. So, but having said that, um, I'm playing with a. I would love a, a game-winning point guard um, or guard combo that you can put the ball in the hands of and close out some of those games. They've been in these games down the stretch and they've lost in the last five minutes. So who do you want with the ball in your hand? That's the guy I'm I'm recruiting. Um, And whilst they may need some help up front, 
that's not going to win you games mm. down the stretch. So I'm going with the game winner down the stretch. Yeah, I can't argue with that at all. And the name that immediately springs to mind is Derek Walden Jr. I mean, he would he would be a perfect fit, wouldn't he? I mean, somebody like that. Uh, yeah, he's an extremely good player. <laughs> um, I think more than most, I've been on the wrong end of his uh, prowess. Uh, we've watched him torch us a couple of times. And, and, and actually, even when he's not torched us, it's just the threat and the decision-making. You know, similar to what we talk about with Bryce Cotton. Yep. And you saw it in the, in the finals last year when, when the whips were cracking. He was making the right decisions and and, uh, and creating offense when they had none. I mean, I'm stretching the, the, the uh, memory a little bit now, but my recollection, I hope it's game five, because I'm going to say it was game five, <laughs> is that the, the things have dried up. Mm. And, you're, and you're requiring players who have exceptional one-on-one ability. Uh, and that one-on-one ability is to create, not just necessarily for yourself. You know, I just remember him and Cooks being the two guys on the floor that were able to do that when it mattered most and, and securing a championship because of it. So he would be wonderful in an Adelaide uniform. And I, I hope someone like that appears for them because yeah. I, I want CJ to get a shot. You know, it's been a rough start to the season. I think he's, he's held himself up tremendously. Um, he doesn't look frustrated, although yeah. I'm sure he is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, he's presenting himself and his ball club with the best light right now. Now let's get him some help and get him some wins. Yep. He's always got a smile on his face, doesn't he? No matter what. And uh, yeah, th- yeah. I, I hope he gets a good look at it too, because I, I would hate to see see him frustrated with the three years and, and it not work out. And then he, we might not see him coach again. I, I would hate to see that happen. So let's hope it works out for him. Um, but for us, Simon, let's take a, take a deep breath. Let's have a little ch- chat about yourself when we come back and then we'll preview round three in the NBL and wrap things up. He'll make it for sure. That's why I backed him on Tap Touch. You got the touch. You got the power. Got the touch? Choose Tap Touch. Better your bet. Download the app today. Imagine what you could be buying instead. Okay, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Let's take a bit of a different path for a little while, Simon. Let's have a chat about... A chat about you. I get the feeling you're not that comfortable talking about yourself, so I'll try to make it as painless as possible. But fill us in. What this is not my favourite topic? No. <laughs> um, what has the last six months been like since since the end of of the last NBL season? It's been a great opportunity for me to to get some rest, mm-hmm. um, to take a really good break. Um, my my biggest issue in the back half of the season, whilst there was, I guess, amounting issues during the course of the year in regards to the frustrations that I was feeling yeah, with our performances, but um, or more to the point, just with our player availability and just the, the, the I guess, the continued frustration over a course of years. And, and, and it was just um, at the back end of the season, you know straight after the last whistle's blown, you're in recruitment mode. Mm-hmm. And it came a little quicker than I expected. I had no, I had no concern. Not not a no concern. I was very confident we would beat Perth mm-hmm. um, in the playing game. And my reasons for that were: I thought we were a better team. I thought we were a more consistent team. And I thought the areas that we that we excel at were certain areas that Perth really struggled with. Mm. Um, you know, we're a good defensive rebounding team. We're good at getting to the free throw line. We're good on the offensive boards. All of the things that Perth struggled with throughout the course of the year. So for me, I went into the game relaxed, although concerned about 
you know, some of the health of our players and you know, Ryan Brockoff coming back from injury and a few of the other guys with their niggles and whatnot. But I felt that we were we would be a good chance to win that. Now, by no means am I saying do we look forward. Um, we were 100% focused, and I thought for three quarters of the game, we were an exceptionally disciplined, well-playing basketball team. Yeah. Now, when we started giving up O boards at second-chance points, um, I was a little bit in disbelief of what took place um, and how it happened because they weren't Perth strengths. And my immediate thoughts after the game was, okay, the season's over. Now it's recruitment time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just did not want to sit down in front of a laptop and look through a hundred different players. And, you know, it just, it was beyond me. I was, I was exhausted and didn't have the energy. And so, yeah, stepping away from the game um, was just the logical thing for me to do. I didn't have the energy to carry the team further. Yep. Um, I thought that would be better in the hands of somebody else. And uh, that was the discussion I had with Tommy. He agreed. Um, and we, we moved on. So since then, yeah, I took a, a nice break from anything. I uh, reacquainted myself with the family. Mm. I've been driving the kids around to their sporting uh, carnivals and championship games and this, that, and the other. And, and uh, yeah, doing a little bit of consulting work as well. Um, I did uh, some consulting for the Japanese Basketball Association and doing some clinics um, over there. Yeah. And uh, some accreditation work, so some lecturing to coaches as well, which was fun. Um, different experience for me. And I've been doing some uh, consultancy work here in, in Australia with different sports. So kept myself busy in sport, but had a nice break from basketball um, yeah. in the sense that, you know, I don't have commitments. It took me a little while to, to sort of get used to the weekend. Yes. And I'd be sitting there in the sunshine reading a book and thinking, <laughs> I, I really should be doing something right now, but I had nothing to do. So, so that's a nice feeling once you get your head around it. But um, yeah, so I've been keeping myself busy, obviously watching every single NBL game, mm. bad thing for everybody, uh, mostly good games and, 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 you know, hoping that friends around the league do well and, and yeah, just enjoying, enjoying life. Yeah. I think it's, it's fascinating because we, we've talked to, to Cody about it as well and, He's made the decision to, decision to retire as a player, and he felt like he just needed a break from from basketball. I mean, he's from his sort of mid teenage years. You know, he then went to the center of excellence, went to went to college, and it's been his it's been his life, and it hasn't always been kind to him. And you probably feel feel similar when you've had a lifetime in basketball, and it's probably scary to step away from it. But sometimes you might just need that break. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I, I didn't weigh it up at the time. Mm. You know, what's next? That sort of never occurred to me what I'm going to do next. I had no idea what I was going to do next. I didn't put any thought towards it. My thought process was what does Southeast Melbourne Phoenix need and am I the man to provide it? And I unreservedly did not think I was the guy um, at that point in time. Um, you know, I just didn't have the energy or the uh, the want. So, yeah, didn't really think about it. And, and, you know, a couple of months down the line, you know, did you make the right decision? Yeah, I have no doubt. I'm, I'm happy at the moment. Um, but I certainly missed the game um, to a degree. And uh, there's aspects of it I miss. There's parts of me that still need to sort of uh, regenerate as well. So um, I'm enjoying the time. And, uh, yeah, look, I, I understand what Cody's speaking of. Mm. Uh, I think it's probably a little different from a coaching perspective because yeah. if you're you see out the game too long, yeah, forget about it. It's over. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll explore some different options. Um, 
in the future and, and, and see what's right for me. If they should come my way, if they don't, that's fine. Um, I'll, I'm, I'm uh, an educated man and I've got a bit of drive in me, so I'll find something else to do. <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, look, I'd be a little bit at a loss without some sort of connection to the sport that has been my life um, to this point, and uh, I would like it to be uh, my life in the future yeah, some, yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I think Cody feels similar. He can speak for himself, obviously, but he probably only needs a one-year break, and then he feels like he will get involved in some way again. But um, I'm fascinated to get your thoughts on this question. I've never had a chance to ask you this, but... When you start your coaching journey and start to become an assistant and start to do your apprenticeship and, and I guess dream of coaching in the NBL to be a head coach one day, that's the ultimate dream. When you get to achieve that dream, did the last four years live up to what you thought it might be like? Um, no, I, I, I planned for a championship yeah. um, in that four years, to be honest. Um, and let's say, for instance, hypothetically, we won that championship last year. I, I, I still would have stepped aside okay. um, because I would not have had the gas to, to go around again um, and do all the work. It, it, the, the loss to Perth didn't didn't accelerate where I was at um, as a coach or, or, or a person. Um, it just was the end of the season. Now it's time to make decisions. So, yeah, look, it was an unusual four years. It was a little bit to sort of digest, obviously, mm. the two COVID seasons. Uh, you know, well, firstly, our, our first season, uh, I lose who was our best player. Yes. <laughs> People don't understand. Ty Wesley was our best player our first season, yes. um, in pre-season. Um, he was doing all the things that Mitch Creek went on to do, mm. but he gave us a different a different look. So we lost him five minutes into the season, and, and he never sort of recovered um, when he did come back 10 weeks later. So. Mm. I was dealt um, a lot of coaching lessons pretty early on yeah. about how to how to persist and um, you know be strong for the team and, and operate outside the um, the norm. And uh, on top of being an expansion team, it was a, it was a great learning experience. In the next two years, you get your COVID. We had a little bit of success there in the second year and, and almost. Um, Almost toppled Melbourne United in that game three. Oh, um, and, and let's be honest, you almost won a championship because you would have beaten a, a Bryce Cottonless Wildcats in the in the grand final series. Uh, well, look, I've got so much respect for Trevor and Damien Martin and, and some of the guys on that team. I don't. I, I would never say that no, we sure. were you know, five minutes from a championship. We were five minutes from making a final series, yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, we didn't. So that's life. You, 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 you don't live and die with the what-ifs. You, you just learn from it and move on. And, and I thought we did that. It became almost obsessive for me to, to get back there and, you know, maybe to the detriment of uh, my performance that, you know, like I I certainly was uh, a coach that gave responsibilities to his assistants and, and let them run. But I'm also doing the work in the background where I probably need to take some more breaks. But uh, and look, to an extent, that probably added to the burnout that I felt. Um, but I think just the the magnitude of starting a franchise, the two COVID years, the frustration with injuries, that it took a little bit of the enjoyment away from what I wanted out of the sport. But having said all that, I'll do it all over again. Sure. No. <laughs> Yeah, I think you summed it up well. Um, and like you said at the start of this conversation, you, you don't like talking about yourself. So I'll let you off the hook with one last question on this topic. What's the best part about getting some more family time over the last few months? Oh, look, to see, I've got two 
I've got a son in under 16s and a daughter in under 14s. Mm-hmm. I got to see my son play in um, uh, VC finals as a bottom age kid, um, doing some wonderful things with his football as well. Um, but I've missed mm. during the COVID years, you know, I used to have to sit in the car um, while I'd take the yeah. kids to their basketball and their sporting events. Um, I wasn't allowed in the gym because of NBL protocols. Yes. There was a lot of reading time. There's <laughs> a lot of cutting <laughs> of film in the car. Um, but it wasn't the most enjoyable experience. And, and, and I think it takes a toll missing, missing out on what they were allowed to do. Um, so yeah, I think reacquainting with, with what they're doing, uh, I get, I get to watch my, my, my daughter play in, um, in the under 14 national championships just this, this past month. Mm. Um, and you know, another bottom age kid too. So they're both really excelling well. Um, and to be able to be present and to see that and see them coming along and enjoying their sport and enjoying their friendships and seeing some of the friendships that they're making. I love their friends, their kids, the kids that they're hanging out with are wonderful kids. And, and that makes me proud as a father um, that they're keeping good company. Also have a daughter that's uh, just bought her first car today. Oh, wow. You know, this is something where, where I just wouldn't get to experience these sorts of things if I'm involved in an NBL ton. You know, you'd get a photo, you'd get a, a, a summarised report. But it's, you know, you sacrifice a lot to be in the league. Um, and I'm not sure people truly understand that. They think it's all roses and riches. And, but you, you do sacrifice a lot. Um, and uh, I think that's why we've got to, uh, you know, we see there's lots of people who do that, whether it be in business, whether it be armed forces, um, you know, first respondents. There's a lot of people who uh, give up a lot of family time. Um, and, and professional athletes and coaches and uh, staff are also in that group. Obviously, our job's not quite as important as some of the people I just mentioned, but you do miss a lot of that time, and it's been great to, to, to get back in. Um, although I've got to admit, I've been, I've been shackled to the kitchen a little bit. <laughs> I've done most of the cooking, and I'm probably a little sick of seeing the stove in a pot. But, um, but yeah, other than that, I think the family might be sick of seeing me uh, or sick of having me cook. Well, <laughs> uh, no, 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 it's been great. No, uh, fantastic, fantastic. Um, I'm happy to hear all of that. Um, now, as part of this show this season, Simon, you'll be choosing our the winner of the Galen Award each week for the best team man in the NBL, and there's probably some other names we could throw in there, but really there was only one option for this week, wasn't there? And just had to be Milton Doyle for the, the game-winning performances that, that he delivered. Yeah, look, I went with Milton Doyle for the Gale. And, you know, sometimes it, you can overlook the superstar when you're looking for the great team player too. Yeah. Um, the other considerations I had for this were, were Bryce Cotton because of those passes that he made to Alex Sarr. Um, the other guy I gave serious consideration to was Bobby Clinton. Yeah. Um, I was really impressed with him in both games. I thought in the first game, you know, like they, they, they can be pretty ugly at times at the offensive end where they can go through periods of, of uh, you know, kind of like, well, where's the next bucket coming from? Yeah. But Bobby was finding ways to score when they were when they were in those moments. And then, obviously, his uh, performance um, in, in the game against Brisbane, yeah. both from uh, just his rim protection, his rebounding, scoring. He's, he's a star of the making. Um, I, I didn't foresee this amount of uh, impact for Bobby um, this early. Now, he may have been advantaged by some of the some of the guys who haven't been playing, 
but I'm tremendously impressed. He's a lot better than I than I realised. And um, but yeah, Milton Doyle, he was the man this weekend, leading his team against the two highest ranked teams for most pundits, um, and you know, controlling the outcomes. It was amazing, especially in that Melbourne game in the fourth quarter. Yep, ab- absolutely. No, so well done. So we'll we'll have a winner of the Galen Award each and every week. Thanks to Simon. Um, Let's go do our preview now for round three. Thanks to TabTouch. So head to tabtouch.com.au and check out all of the odds before these games start. Just the one game on Thursday night to get things underway, Simon. We've got the Tasmania Jack Jumpers at home to the Illawarra Hawks. Thanks to TabTouch. The Jack Jumpers are 128. The Hawks are 370. I feel like it's probably a bit closer than, than that. I feel like dollar twenty eight is probably not the worst odds you could get yeah, for a okay. Tassie win. I'm okay. pretty confident in Tassie taking care of business in this one. Um, despite the uh, the media who seem to always say they protect their island and they're a Monty at home, they're actually not. Hmm. Um, they were quite inconsistent at home last year, yeah. and uh, if my memory serves me correct, they may have batted five hundred at best. Um, so. Having said all that, um, no, spot I on. think S- we go back. seven and seven at home last season. It's amazing how uh, perception is sometimes skews reality. But, uh, yeah, look, I, I think that they are so tremendously consistent in what they do, and they're up against a team who have been anything but. They're still trying to find their way. Um, although I was very, very, very happy to see Justin Robinson yeah. return to playing. We had a really good look at Justin two years ago um, when he was playing at Delaware for the Blue Hens. Um, uh, sorry, the Blue Jackets, the Blue Hens <laughs> of the college team. Yes. But, um, but yeah, he's um, he's a player that we looked at. Uh, we obviously didn't go ahead with him. He he, he was going to be tied up with the Lakers for a little while in, in camp, and we tried to go in another direction. But yeah, it's good to see him back in form. But yeah, look, I thought they were pretty loose defensively last week. Illawarra, um, they're still prone to moments of uh, head scratching offense. I think they've got a little ways to go, and the Jack Jumpers are just that model of consistency. So I'm with the Jackies. Two games on Friday night. First up, Brisbane Bullets. Back at home to the Sydney Kings. So this will be a fascinating one. The Bullets, the Outsiders again, thanks to TabTouch, $2.40. The Sydney Kings, $1.57. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it'd be an intriguing game. Mm. Um, yeah, look, it's kind of uh, differentiating different different styles and styles make fights. Um, and because we haven't seen these two up against each other yet, um, it'll be interesting. Like right now, Sydney Kings out in the break, um, off the dribble, uh, everything at the rim, kick outs, catch and shoot threes. They're, they're, they're kind of free-flowing and re- re- requiring or leaning on the individual prowess of their players, mm. whereas you know, Brisbane, they're big. They're more of a traditional basketball team. They'll execute and run plays. Can they consistently defend Sydney off the dribble? We're going to find out, but I'm going to just lean towards Sydney. I think the Kings are going to be a team that improves a little bit each week. And even just watching their game on the weekend, they're structured up just a little better than they did the week before, or even against, against Tassie. Um, yeah. So I'll lean to Sydney, but uh, nothing's going to surprise me um, in this one. Yeah, and no, I think Jalen's only going to keep getting better the more he plays, and they've still got DJ Hogue to come back into that team. Who, I mean, he was he was comfortably one of the best five players in the league last year. So you're right, they will only keep getting better. Second up, Perth Wildcats and Melbourne United. Traditionally, Melbourne love coming to ROC Arena. They've got a great record in Perth. Mm-hmm. But the Wildcats, thanks to Tap Touch, one sixty two. Melbourne two dollars thirty. As an opposition coach. I would hate to get Melbourne coming off a loss like they just had on Sunday. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's probably not ideal for Perth. Um, I'll be leaning. What are those odds again? North Melbourne playing? Melbourne, $2.30. Yeah, I'll leave. I was betting with your money. I might swing a few <laughs> on that one. Um, I, I, I think uh, I think Melbourne United will. will they're, they're very confident over there. Um, although they've had a little bit of luck to get over the line. That's what teams that have the moz on other teams tend to do, right? Um, but now the Jackies, you know, when you think Melbourne United is under control, the Jackies who seem to have the better of Melbourne just found a way to execute and score in the fourth. Uh, I think Melbourne will get them. I think Perth's lack of defence. Yep will enable Melbourne to score. They're very, very scratchy at the moment. The ball's not moving at the level that they would like. Um, I think it's getting stuck in hand. They're pounding the air out of it at times in the guard spot. It's a great point. It's exactly what Dean Vickerman said after the game on Sunday. Right, okay. I didn't watch it, but that was just my feelings over the first couple of games for Melbourne United is that they haven't impressed me tremendously at that end of the floor. Um, what I saw early in the game last time was finding the roller a little bit more. Mm. Huck Porty seemed to get a couple early and then even going to Huck Porty in the post I think is, whilst he's not the most graceful, he's not reminding anybody of Tim Duncan or Kevin McHale. <laughs> um, it, it, what it does is that you're attacking the basket from different angles yep. and I think Melbourne have been a little bit one dimensional in the way that they try to score. Um, so I think getting the ball through hands in the post, I think that's going to be an issue for, if they go that way, it could be an issue for Perth. I think Perth's uh, lackadaisical defence will be found out. It'll allow Melbourne to score, and I think Melbourne have the, the, the nous and the endeavour at the defensive end to, to lock Perth down a little bit. Yep. No, absolutely. Okay. On to Saturday. Two more games. Um Check out the markets closer to the to, to the weekend and head to tabcharts.com.au for the rest of these. Um, first up, Adelaide 36 is at home to the Illawarra Hawks. I, without reading your mind, Simon, I get the feeling this is a bit of a toss of the coin one. Rocks is his paper, toss <laughs> yeah. of the coin, you yeah. name it. <laughs> we, we, we'll find a way to separate these two. Um, yeah, look, it's the... Uh, whew, I'm going to go with Adelaide on the premise of... I just tossed a coin and it came up Adelaide. <laughs> no, I, I'm going with Adelaide just because it's the second leg for Illawarra, yep. which might work in their favour. You know, they, they play the two games. They want to get some, some runs on the board. They get some, some minutes into these players and playing together. So it may work in their favour, but the Tassie team is tremendously physical. Um, I've got nothing but admiration for the 36ers and the way that they've been able to fill the stands. Yeah. You know, they haven't made playoffs in five years. Um, you know, they're... There's nothing that we've seen so far to say that this is a year that they're going to be contesting either, mm. uh, contending either for, for a championship. But the people of Adelaide keep showing up. They do, yeah. Um, I think this is an opportunity for those those fans to really get behind the 36ers and CJ and, and hopefully uh, help them get a win. I'm rooting for them. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to throw money down on this one. I hope Adelaide come away with a W. Second up on Saturday, um, South East Melbourne Phoenix. I, without knowing, and we're still a little bit away from this game, but I assume Tyler Cook and potentially Gorjak Gak are back for this game, so that gives them some size up front. They're hosting the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. Yeah. Um, yeah, tough one again. Look, it, the parity in our league is unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. After two rounds, we don't have an undefeated team. Yeah. Now we only have one team without a win. I, I go into these games with absolutely no confidence in my own assessment. I, I'm going to back the Jackies on this one just on the, the 
the consistency that we've seen um, early in the season from them. Um, even in the Perth loss, I thought they were were very good at times. Southeast Melbourne, geez, I heard that Gore Jack Gack was doing full on three on three full court games yep. last weekend, yep. um, which has got to be a great sign for the club and getting him returned. Hopefully, Tyler Cook's eyes settled. Saw something this morning that the big source was uh, was backing on the track this week as well. So you know that's a lot of uh, a lot of hope to bring for for Southeast. But there's still some structural things that uh, that they're working on at the moment. There's some things in the Illawarra um, game that I saw that, uh, and even in the Cairns game that that, that aren't personnel issues. That uh, they're just going to need some more time together. Um, and uh, yeah, so just on the basis of that, uh, I'm going to Jack Jumpers. But again, you know, Southeast have had the rub on Tassie um, in the past couple of seasons, and uh, and they should go into that game confident. And uh, certainly, they have the personnel and the ability to win. Two more games on Sunday, and all four of these teams backing up and playing on Friday night. So, you know, I guess a lot will depend on how they go on Friday night. But first up, Melbourne United at home to the Brisbane Bullets. Um, it's going to be physical. We know that much. <laughs> certainly is. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be some big bodies hitting hard in that one. Obviously, there's uh, not a rivalry, but a lot of familiarity. Sam McDaniel playing against one of his old yeah. clubs. Uh, Justin Stiller and D-Mac on the coaching staff of Brisbane. Yeah, and Tanner Krebs um, yes. with with United playing against his old squad. So plenty of familiarity between the two groups. Um, hopefully not a whole bunch of hugging before the game. Let's see another physical <laughs> contest that, that brings the best out of both teams. And um, yeah, look, I'm probably leaning towards Melbourne United um, at home. Um, but yeah, again, I would not be surprised to see Brisbane get a W here. Then last up for the round, Sydney Kings and the Perth Wildcats. I think it's fair to say this will be the, the fastest tempo game we've seen this season so far. Yeah, I, I think Sydney might get over the line 185 to 180. <laughs> um, yeah, look, <laughs> reminiscing of the Denver Nuggets versus Detroit Pistons in 1985. Yeah, uh, look, this could go either way. I again, go with Sydney at home, um, especially if... Uh, with Hoax back in the in the lineup, um, you know that just brings another element to that team. I, I just think Sydney is just going to, you know, as I said earlier, it's going to get a little bit better each week. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by Perth um, and how they make this work. You know, do they have the personnel that can be a, a good rebounding team? Um, do they have the personnel that can be a defensive force on, especially on the road? Um, We've seen elements of it when they've been at home. Uh, we saw them get enhanced by Southeast, and uh, which can happen to anybody on any given night. So the potential is obviously still there for Perth, but I'm just going to go with Sydney on this one. Yep, no, absolutely. All right, last thing, Simon. We've got two teams heading over to play NBA teams in their preseason. So we've got the Taipans playing against the Wizards on Wednesday and then against the Raptors next Monday, and then the New Zealand Breakers up against the Trailblazers on Wednesday the breakers and the breakers against the Jazz next Tuesday. Ideally, I I think this is a terrible idea to do it mid mid season when your season started and interrupt your season. But funnily enough, for both Cairns and New Zealand, I feel like it's actually good timing. So for the Taipans, they're bringing back Taron Armstrong and they've just got Tajir McCall back, and they probably get to escape a little bit of the drama going on this week as well. So it gives them two weeks to get that group together, and the Breakers are now bringing in a new import, so it gives them two weeks to get their group ready. Ideally, it's not great doing this mid-season, but for these two teams, the timing might actually work out quite well. I think you nailed it. I, mm. I think this is actually ideal for both teams. 
uh, thought he'll get himself a nice good night's sleep over <laughs> in uh, over in the states. And um, yeah, look, I think it's a great opportunity for both clubs. Um, I'm going the Wizards, Raptors, Trailblazers, and Jazz. Just for anyone who's looking for my tips, <laughs> um, but but look, I've been on a few of these trips. And one of the games we had, um, we played Adelaide in Adelaide and then got on a plane the next morning. I can't remember what time it was, but it was before the sun was up to fly to um, to Oklahoma City. Yep. So by Dallas, I think it might have been. It's a long time ago. But yeah, we, we won that game. And then when we came back, we, we, we played Adelaide again and won. And obviously the, the game against Oklahoma was uh, was one of the highlights of, of, of my basketball life. Yep. Um I think it can be a great situation for your ball club, especially with those guys coming back in and those guys um, coming into the team. It's a great way to get to know each other. Um, You're up against it. You're you're playing everything. Everything's against you. You're playing against the rules. Uh, You're you're on NBA turf. You've got an NBA ball. You've got NBA uh, officials. You've got NBA court size. You've got NBA three-point lines. You're on foreign turf, Um, and it's not built for you to win and uh and you've got the 405 timeouts per half um which the coaches need to get their head around that's that's the one part of the coaches are last yeah look it's going to be a great opportunity for those teams um i'm not sure either team, like i think the, the taipan is going to be great for their kids mm. to, to showcase you know or wardenberg and meninga um and we talked about bobby clinton before yeah. um and, and, and a taron armstrong to you know Get a little rust off the off the game and, and showcase what he can do in that wide open space with his ability to pass and see yeah. the floor. Um, I think you know, provided he doesn't have the ring rust, he's got a great opportunity to really show what he can do. You know, he's got that special passing ability. I'm not saying he's Josh Giddy, but he has an ability like that. So yeah, I think his his game will certainly translate. Some of the longer athletes guys, you know, that their game will translate. I'm not sure how competitive they'll be over 48 minutes. But we'll see some great moments for them. The breakers, on the other hand, uh, yeah, they're kind of small, aren't they? Mm. Uh, which which could certainly hurt them um, over the duration of 48 minutes. I think they're going to, you know, with Cheatham at the five, if he's lining up on NBA NBA team, yes. he's probably filling the spot of a small forward. So, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see, and I'll, I'll watch it bate of breath. Hopefully both teams do us proud. It was wonderful watching Adelaide get yeah. the win um, last year. I remember sitting in my office um, after a practice and, and cheering the 36ers <laughs> and... and and texting during the game, we got the messages after the game, and rooting for them and playing them, and, and I was so happy for them in the NBL, and took so much pride in my league um, and what they were able to accomplish. And I'll be doing over these four games exactly the same things, rooting for these guys, and hopefully they cause an upset. No, let's hope so. Um, all right, Simon, really appreciate you taking the time out this week. It's been good fun picking your brain and. Hopefully we can do it a lot, a lot more throughout this season. So, sort of between between yourself and, and Cody, we can we can get through each week, and we'll have your Galen winner each week, and look forward to it. And thank you very much for joining us. And hopefully it wasn't it wasn't too much too much trouble for you. No trouble at all. Appreciate uh, chatting hoops with you, Chris. He'll make it for sure. That's why I backed him on Tap Touch. You got the touch. You got the power. Got the touch? Choose Tap Touch. Better your bet. Download the app today. Imagine what you could be buying instead.